Animal with RoboHub, the podcast for news and views on robotics. Hi, and welcome to the RoboHub podcast. Today, we will hear from Marco Hutter, Assistant Professor for Robotic Systems at ETH Zurich, whose team have developed a robot designed for autonomous operation in challenging environments. And they have called it Animal. Animal is a quadrupedal robot, and it has a range of different motions, including dynamic running. And thanks to laser sensors and cameras, this robot can perceive its environment to continuously create maps and localize so that it can autonomously plan its navigation path and carefully select footholds while walking. With a battery life of over two hours and a range of sensory equipment such as thermal cameras and gas detection sensors, Animal is designed for tasks such as search and rescue missions as well as industrial inspections. Our interviewer Audro spoke to Professor Dr. Hutter about Animal and about the Argos Challenge, an industrial competition to find a robot that can autonomously inspect offshore oil and gas platforms. Hi, welcome to Robots Podcast. Hi. Would you introduce yourself? My name is Marco Hutter and I'm Assistant Professor at ETH Zurich for Robotic Systems. Would you tell me what motivates your work? So the idea behind walking is that we want to have machines that can go anywhere, anywhere mm -hmm. where humans can go and where like wheeled or tracked vehicles cannot really go to. And uh, we have been working on, on these quadrupedal systems for several years. If you have four legs, it brings you unique capabilities in, in moving around because on one side you can still stand on three legs and then move only one at a time, so you're statically stable. At the same time, you can do dynamic maneuvers and, and run around. And I think this is like the future way of how we should move um, on this type of environments. Mm. Okay. And so walking around construction sites, it lets you access everywhere as opposed to a wheeled robot that might get stuck, correct? It might get stuck, but the idea behind having legged systems is that even if they get stuck or if they fall, you can get up after that. If you have wheel or tracked vehicle, once they dig in uh, or they get stuck, you have to have external help to do it. If you have legs and arms, you can really free yourself and continue your missions. Mm -hmm. So would you tell me about Animal? So Animal is uh, a medium-sized dog, about 30 kilograms heavy. Mm -hmm. We have all kinds of onboard computers, sensors, batteries that can go fully autonomous for multiple hours. Mm -hmm. I think the special thing about it and also in comparison to other research groups is that this machine is on one side fully torque controllable which means that mm -hmm. you can do very precise interaction regulation Yes. at the same time it's rugged so it's sealed, mm -hmm. it can go into the water, it survives a fall can get up after falling and um, I think that makes it uh, a great platform to work in such challenging environments Mm -hmm. Do you tell me a bit about the sensors on it? So there's various different sensors. First of all, you need to have a machine that can move around. And from being able to move around, think about yourself being blind. Mm 
-hmm. What we have is a balancing organ, so an inner organ, uh, that tells us how we're oriented, how we're accelerating, and the equivalent is the IMU that we put on our uh, mm -hmm. quadruped. We're fusing this information together with the kinematics information, so joint position measurements, together with the uh, ground reaction force measurements. And by fusing all this information together, you get a pretty precise estimation of how you're moving. Mm -hmm. Then you have different torque and position sensors in the individual joints, which you need for controlling. Mm -hmm. And that gives you the capabilities to move blindly. Now, if you want to see the environment, you add additional sensors. What we have on animal is, uh, on the front and the back, laser sensors and, and cameras. With the laser sensors, we're creating uh, precise point clouds of the mm -hmm. environment. It's about 100,000 measurements that we're making per second, which gives us a very detailed representation. And knowing the geometry of the environment, we can then really plan footholds, find paths uh, to get around. Mm -hmm. And then on top of that, there is an application layer so typically you want to do something, and we were talking about inspection before. Mm -hmm. So what you have there is an inspection head. This is an actuated pan tilt head, mm -hmm. where we have a zoom camera inside, so a, a standard camera that allows us to see the environment. We have thermal cameras, which allow us to detect heat sources. We have gas detection sensors, so if there's potential leak somewhere. Mm -hmm. You also have microphones uh, with a microphone uh, if it's working, for example, in the ultrasound regime, you can detect like very small leaks because that emits a very high, uh, uh, like high frequency sound, and by that detect if like a tube has a crack and there is gas coming out or something like that. Mm -hmm. So, would you tell me about the environment that you use animal in? So the main application we were dealing over the last three years was to use it for inspection of oil and gas sites. So it was a project uh, initiated by Total, the French oil and gas site operator, and they wanted to have a robot that can move autonomously on one of their offshore sites, so an area where you typically don't want to send people to because it's a very rough environment, it's very expensive to bring them there, it's potentially pretty dangerous, and it's just an area where people should and don't want to work in. And in this type of environment, since it's originally built that humans can move around, you have steps and stairs, gaps, some tubes that you have to step across. So things that we can, with the legged systems, do pretty well. Um, we then move around in this type of environment and inspect different points of interest. So you can imagine what the human has to do there. A human has to get around mm -hmm. and check if like, the right pressure is at a certain vessel measure if the temperature is too high at uh, some of the parts, check if there's gas leaks, things like that, and all that can be done by a robot. Mm -hmm. I think the unique feature about having robots for this type of tasks is that we can process much more data at the same time. So I can look somewhere at the same time, I listen to something, I analyze if a pump is going wrong, I measure gas leaks, and all that uh, purely fully integrated in our system. Okay, now going back to the robot a little bit, would you tell me a bit about the actuators? For legged systems, um, the key challenge is interaction with the environment. So interacting with something we don't know how it is, it might have properties that we don't expect. Um, we can measure it through laser sensors and cameras, but not very accurately. So we need to have something that is 
torque controllable. Um, a classical industrial robot arm is really position controlled, meant for very precise mm-hmm. uh, trajectory following, but that's not the right approach for like an uncertain environment. So what we built there is actuators that have integrated springs, and these springs work very similar to a muscle tendon system of human and animals. Mm-hmm. Uh, it helps in various ways. So springs typically deflect if you have impulsive loads coming from outside, so you're kind of protecting your activation. At the same time, you can use the springs to store energy temporarily and then release it in short time. So you're becoming more efficient and you can have very high output power. And then the third element, and I think this is really the most important one, is that you're controlling this deflection. By controlling the deflection of a spring, you're controlling the output force. Mm-hmm. And you have a decoupled system of actuation and output dynamics, and with that you have really the, the right dynamics and the right control tools to walk. Yes, and so these are modules that you've developed. And one other thing is they're waterproof as well, right? It's a little self-contained module. So the idea was that we have a ruggedized machine, mm-hmm. and. Uh, a ruggedized machine should not only work in a lab environment, but should really work under all conditions. So this thing is sealed in a way that we can throw it into the water and it will still run for one hour. Mm-hmm. Now, would you tell me a bit about how you're controlling your robot to walk in this environment? and then? So controlling legged systems is a very tricky part, and that makes our research so interesting. There's many elements that have to play together. So first of all, with the legs that are in ground contact, you need to, you need to produce the right reaction force in order to balance your main body. So essentially produce a counter force to move your body in the right direction. Mm-hmm. So what we're doing for this is that we are running an optimization problem in real time where we are accounting for all kinds of constraints like friction properties, like uh, peak torques that you have in joints, uh, energy optimization problems, in order to follow a specific dynamic trajectories as well as possible. Mm-hmm. The second element is that we have to do appropriate stepping, so like foothold placement. And yeah. there's two things that come into play for that. So the first one is you want to dynamically balance. So if I push you, you have to step sideward in order to compensate for that. And that works in essence, like in a multi predictive way. So you're calculating into the future where should I step in order to recover balance within the next one or two steps. And while doing this, at the same time, you should look at your ground and maybe there is like a point where you should not step on or a point where you can step on. So you're like locally defining areas that are good for a foothold or bad for a foothold. And then on a very high level, you want to really plan complex maneuvers, complex uh, trajectories to get around a specific environment. So really looking into the future in how can I climb a certain obstacle. Um, this is like few seconds horizon that you're planning forward. Mm-hmm. Are you talking about your template maneuvers or the planning in the future? So a legged system in, in general has the capability to get across many obstacles. Yes. If you look at our environment, there is actually only a few types of obstacles. You have steps, you have a sequence of steps, which is called stairs. Mm-hmm. Then you have maybe hurdles and uh, like gaps and things like that. So the idea is really that we are templating uh, maneuvers for this type of obstacles. 
mm-hmm. we detect the obstacle, and then we are adapting locally. So we don't have to replan the complete complex maneuver, but we're just adapting the maneuver to fit to the specific obstacle that we see. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Some of these template maneuvers, they look a little strange in a cool way. So if you're stepping over a pipe or something, the robot brings its lag around to a high thing and then kind of toes over the pipe and then it brings the other legs, keeping itself statically stable the whole time. Can you talk a little bit about this? And then um, the way of making these template maneuvers kind of robust to different cases uh, is also interesting. So the one of the key features we wanted to integrate in Animal during the design process was high mobility. So legged systems should work in areas where you can't go with tracks or wheels. Mm-hmm. So we want to have a mobility that is as high as possible. And for this, we gave it a huge range of motion for all the joints. So the joints are built in a way that you can fully rotate the knee and fully rotate the hip. Mm-hmm. So that's completely different to a human or an animal. So in other words, you can like flip legs while you're walking to get across obstacles. Mm-hmm. There is no knee-hitting problems anymore. So imagine yourself when you're climbing a ladder. Mm-hmm. You have quite some trouble with your knees because they're bending in the wrong direction. Mm-hmm. So you want to climb actually the ladder backward, which would be much better. Mm-hmm. Now with the animal, we can change the configuration on the fly as we want to get as little as few collision with the environment as possible. You can also change like ground clearance. Mm-hmm. So imagine that you're the difference between a spider and a dog. So with the dog, we have the legs really underneath the body, and it's kind of always in collision with the body somehow, in particular if you want to crouch down as much as possible. With a spider, we have it in the other configuration, so the legs are outside and the body can be lowered quite a bit, mm-hmm. which makes it much better to go, for example, through a tube. So we still have the range of humidity with the legs, which are in the front and the back of the machine, instead of underneath the machine. Mm-hmm. So we can flip legs on spot while moving and hence adapt to the, the local environment and mm-hmm. optimally get across uh, certain terrains, certain obstacles that we see. Yes. Now, so this capability probably makes it so that what the robot should do is not always what is intuitive given us looking around at biology and drawing inspiration. You talk, can you talk just a little bit about the differences between what we should, uh, I don't know, biology and robots. I think biology is a great source for inspiration, but I think it's completely wrong if you try to copy biology. Mm-hmm. We have to see what we can do better with robots, what we can do different with robots, and we should optimize, but mm-hmm. still keep in mind this inspiration that we have, because nature has found great solutions to some of the problems. Mm-hmm. But if we have like both on one side the strength from robotics of doing things different together with the inspiration that we have, we can potentially build machines that are even better than mm-hmm. what we see in nature. But it takes time. Definitely. Now, so a big part of this project, uh, Animal, strikes me to be system integration. You've taken a lot of different things and you've interfaced them together in a robust way. Could you talk just a bit about some of the challenges of system integration and the approach you've taken, maybe the hierarchical so approach. If you want to build a fully autonomous solution that works in the field, you have to do a lot of system integration. Mm-hmm. Uh, in particular for systems with legs that are not existing as a product. Mm-hmm. 
means we have to start with developing our own actuators, developing the complete system, developing the simulations, the software, the planning algorithms, and so on and so forth. Now, for us as a research lab, I think the, one of the key challenges that we have to work on is, on one side, having solutions that work, and at the same time pushing the boundaries in terms of cutting-edge research, so making stuff that is completely new, that is also applicable to various different machines, generalizable um, approaches to some of the challenges that we have. And again, legged systems for me are probably one of uh, the best platforms to do this because they have all these challenges combined in one unit. Mm -hmm. Now, so mentioning this, and how you need to make it novel, but you also need to make it robust with this. This sounds like it's straddling the lines between industry and academia. Would you... So academia, it's always build new. Industry is build something reliable. Now, you're in academia with this, um, but, I mean, you have startups and these things. Would you just tell me a bit about how this fits in? And I consider myself being a field roboticist. Yes. And if you're doing field robotics, it's about deploying robots in the field. So from this perspective, this is pure research. But mm -hmm. clearly it's somewhere in between. Um, we are trying to have solutions that work out there, that are not only a one-time demonstration, that you write a paper about it, and then you skip it and you do something different. But the idea is to make a demonstration, show that it's working, keep it integrated, and then continue developing multiple things together in order to increase the capability of the machine in a gradual way. Mm -hmm. And so what? So you're working with this French company, French oil and gas company now. What's the future of that collaboration? So Total was the organizer of this competition that happened. There were like five teams selected that uh, were competing uh, against each other, mm -hmm. four tracked vehicles and us with a legged platform, so a completely different approach. Yes. And uh, the idea for us was to demonstrate that probably not now, not next year, but in two, three, four years from now, these solutions which have much greater skills, but at the same time are more complex, will take over and are like the better fit uh, for this type of, of tasks. And there's many different tasks uh, all around the world and all across different domains which have the same um, which need the same things so think about like mines uh, mine inspection about sewer inspection mm -hmm. uh, construction site about surveillance all kinds of areas where we simply today we cannot send robots because they don't have the necessary locomotion skills to get around thank you welcome And that's it for today. As always, there's plenty more where this one came from at robohop.org. And we'll be back with a brand new podcast episode in two weeks' time. Until then, goodbye. Animal with Robohop, the podcast for news and views on robotics.